Check it out. I'm, I'm Andrew Huang. <sighs> and now I'm going to make a beat out of that. Do you feel good about that? Yeah, that's our cold opening. Because <laughs> yeah. it's cold and I opened it. Hi, this is Cody Daigle-Oriens. This is Neil Daigle-Oriens. And welcome to another episode of Bearded Fruit. Yay. Yay. We're on time. I know. We are like really kicking butt this month. Whoa, kids are listening. No, they're not. Oh, fair. No, they're not. Um, yeah, we're doing. We're we're in quite a groove, and uh, I feel pretty good about it. So uh, before we like jump into today's thing, I just want to... Um, um, See what I was doing this weekend, just really oh. briefly. So this weekend, uh, I did something really cool. I was part of a, the Facilitator Training Institute with the Discovery Center in Hartford, and uh, that was um, part thanks to Neil. Oh, I did that. Who tagged me in a Facebook status? It was that simple. Yeah, uh, it was really awesome. I spent four days uh, with some really, really amazing people in Hartford, uh, training as a facilitator for like conversations and workshops and presentations uh, to present those on racial equity and also around other systems of oppression. And it was like a really, uh, it was a really like intense and challenging and like sometimes frustrating, but mostly like really. A powerful and cool weekend. Um, I'm sorry I punched my microphone just yeah, now. That's okay. Uh, it was a really, really awesome weekend. Uh, and uh, and I know you've done this work in the past. Sort of, yeah, similar. Yeah. Um, you know, we all, we all just try to do what we can in the world to make it a better place. Um, you go to this training. Kendall Jenner gives out Pepsis. I mean, really. Everyone just, plays their part. Everybody plays their part. It's like chess. Yeah. Um, and so I just wanted to, to I don't know if anybody that listens or will listen to the podcast, but if you do, I just wanted to thank the Discovery Center in Hartford for allowing me to be in the room with some uh, really smart and engaged people, uh, particularly Derek Hall, who made the invitation and also led uh, most of the, the most of the, the training institute and uh, and along with Jason Friedland, uh, who, who did that as well. So thank you for a really like, challenging like, I, you know, I sat in my feels for a while. You're welcome. About it. So thanks. And Neil. Thank you, Neil, for giving that. So shout out to the Discovery Center in Harvard uh, for that. Maybe we'll get one of them on to come talk more uh, stuff about about race. Worm. And equity. Worm. Awesome. So this week, we're going to be talking about something I saw on Instagram this morning. And it's not a shirtless guy. Um which Although, is mostly I mean, what I see on Instagram. We could. We could, but it, this is not. So so this morning I was perusing Instagram and I saw this guy uh, post a screenshot of a text conversation that he had. And so the guy who posted it is like this he's a gay guy in his 30s. He's not someone that I really know. He's like a rando in I don't even like I don't even feel like it's a thirst follow because there is no, there's no thirst. You followed him because he followed you. Yeah. So he's a rando follow. And so it's a conversation between him and this younger gay man. And so in the, in the 
the screenshot, the first uh, text is from the younger guy, the younger gay man. And he's saying something like basically like, hey, I'm having a really hard time meeting people because there's such a focus on hooking up. And I'm more interested in romantic connections. And he says at the end of his, his text, this is a quote, I guess I'm doing it wrong. And the response from the guy in his 30s who shared the post was basically, hey, you just got to get with the program. You know, guys are going to be guys and guys are going to want the D, so get hip to it. He didn't say get hip to it because that's the thing that I say because I am 9,000 years old. Because you're looking for a hip to replace your current one. Basically. But that's basically what was his thing. And so... and. And in his like the, the 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 stuff you write underneath your picture, like your your caption, the caption, caption. I got it right. Got a word right. Um, the caption was was basically this guy in his thirties saying that he was teaching a younger gay man about gay culture. And that's embarrassing for him. I got so angry about this post. Yeah, I was wondering what your tweets were about this morning. I was angry I about saw that, it. Yeah. And I was like, how are you mad about this when you're in the middle of your training? Yeah, it made me angry on a lot of levels. And I want to talk about that today, uh, about the the ways in which it made me angry. And for us to just talk about the things that are involved in this post, which I think is like deeply troubling and problematic on a lot of different levels. So I wanted to first start to, to just to kind of talk about his assertion that this is just gay culture. That's where I want to start. Okay, then start. So, okay. So here's my feel. Here's my feeling. Here's this is what I feel about this. <laughs> this week I'm just here to nod and say, <laughs> yeah, okay. No, I want you to no, I want you to like engage in this. What bothered me so much about this is that he was basically saying that what gay culture is is just chasing dick. And I reject that wholeheartedly i do not reject chasing dick i don't reject that i say if that's a you, regular tuesday night if you got the running shoes for it and you got the feeling to it chase it chase it walk behind it hang out with it buy it dinner do what you got to do Sometimes chase it i wish that this was like a visual format so people <laughs> could see me actually reacting to you <laughs> But also, like, so people could see your, like, ridiculous hand play. Uh, exactly. I'm a gesturer. But no, really, I, I firmly, I'm su- I, I am not saying that chasing the D is bad. I say, I'm saying chasing the D is good. If that's what you want to do, then you can chase it. Like, don't, don't chase it in a gross way, but chase it. Like, I mean, you know, like, don't, don't, like, attack it in the dark, in a dark alleyway or something. Don't chloroform it. And then take it back to your house. I'm just, just saying, like, chase the D. Really quickly. Yeah. Um, it's, it, I, I get where you're going for, but it's getting a little dehumanizing how you okay. keep saying it. Okay. All <laughs> right. Fine. Little. Okay. I don't know the D's pronouns. Um, <laughs> I don't. I haven't asked it. That's fair. He has it. <laughs> well, maybe not. Maybe not. One uh, never knows. Uh, it was, could be you know, oh that's yours. My okay. voice. You all know, right. That's, that's okay. My penis all right. Voice. All right. You know that's this very well. Fair. Accurate. Um, you know, because I want to. Uh, the D can identify in any way he wants. Um, what I do object to is the idea that that chasing D is the foundation of our culture. Mm-hmm. That as as gay people, because and I don't normally use gay as as an identifier. It's kind of weird. To be calling myself gay mm-hmm. because I normally say queer, but I'm really like just specifically talking about the gay part of my identification mm-hmm. here. That 
gay culture is about so much more than that to me. And to say to anybody that you were not participating in the culture of our community, if you were not interested primarily in getting laid, like to say that makes you an asshole to me mm-hmm. and missing the point entirely about what our community really is about and what our history is about and what, um, what really is the thing that ties us together. Well, I mean, the, the initial comment, it all boils down. I know you're going to get to this, but I don't care. I'm going to bring it up mm-hmm. now. Um, it all it all boils down to just a very simple crisis in masculinity um, and a crisis in manhood. Um, because when it comes to socialization, when it comes to all that stuff, um, as men, we are socialized to be sexual. We are socialized to believe that we are meant to be conquerors. And queerness doesn't get in the way of that. Um, it really doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't get in the way of the fact that we are as men socialized to be sexual so even though we experience that sexuality in a different way than what we might be socialized um instead of conquering women we're conquering other men um this kind of falls into line with um it's really not that far cry from like bottom shaming Mm -hmm. um the notion that being a bottom makes you lesser um it's really along those same lines um but but at the end of the day it, it boils down to this very misogynistic notion of um, men conquering and and sexually conquering um so so it makes sense like the idea is that the next logical step is okay so if you're a man who has sex with men then you're both into that so like of course gay culture needs to be super sexual it's because we're both dudes and we're both uh um socialized to have a whole lot of sex so as a result we're gonna have a whole lot of sex and obviously that's harmful for many 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 reasons um not just emotional, psychological, but also very physical things. I mean, there's there's a reason why um, STIs are very high among men who have sex with men. There's, there's a reason for that. And that's because we're socialized to have a lot of sex. So as a result, we have a lot of sex. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, we were we were going to we were going to kind of swing around. But while but while you're there, I mean, I. I, I yeah, that that the, the assertion that this is just. Apart from it being part of gay culture, but that it's just guys being guys. Just dudes. Just guys being guys. guys being I think dudes. is like enormously gross. It's it, it is enormously gross because it, it, it is and because I feel like, yeah, it, it's taking part in that system that is much larger than gay men. It's it's taking part in that system that 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 impacts that impacts women it impacts rape culture it impacts all of those other those other things the idea that guys are just going to be guys and like go after fucking mm-hmm. yeah. um and i guess so like i want to i want to swing i want to swing back to to that notion of culture to the notion of culture again. And um, as in what is gay culture? As in what is gay culture? And dig into like how do we then balance because what what well I have this really clear assertion that I think no, gay culture is not about that. I do feel like it's important to acknowledge that a, a, a considerable part of our history is connected to sexual 
contact as a way of community building. Like that's, it's a tool, it has been, not a tool, but it's been a conduit for community building. It's been the way that men have found each other. It's been, you know, th- those gathering places like the bathhouses and and that whole, the, the way that we sort of met each other, the way that we would find each other would be through these sexual means. Mm-hmm. And it was often the way that that community got built. You got built while you were out looking for the, the community got built when you were out looking for the D. Well, and at the end of the day, um, at the end of the day, that's what, made the persecution, the oppression happen in the first place. It all boiled down to the sexual aspects. It had nothing to do with any of the emotional or psychological attractions that men have for other men. It came down to the fact that it's a sexual act that's happening between two men. Um, And all of the arguments against same-sex marriage or against um, anything that is remotely queer affirmative always boils down to the sexual thing. Um, it all—it always comes down to what is physically happening between two bodies or three bodies or multiple bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the end of the day, like it makes sense that that is kind of like a starting point, mm-hmm. um, a starting point in not only realizing identity but also realizing community. It makes sense that the starting point does involve sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. How do we? And this is probably a question that I'm just thinking about in myself right now. How do we? balance the how do we balance the assertion that we as a community exist in spaces beyond sex we exist in a lot of spaces beyond sex particularly now that there is there is there is a culture that is beyond that the beyond the bathhouse and beyond the random hookup beyond the bathhouse a new play by Cody yeah, Tegelorian right <laughs> um, um I think- how do we how, how do we balance that because I was halfway through. How do we balance that with um, a sex-positive approach to the community? How do we balance the rejection of 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 the bathhouse as central with an affirmation that you can explore your sexual identity in the way that you want to, and it's not shameful that we're not shaming you for it? How do we balance that? Well, I guess. Um for starters, we have to define queer space. Um, we have to define what that means. Um, and in a lot of cases, queer space um, does exist sexually. So the bars, cruising spots, the bathhouses, those are sexual queer spaces. Um, and then we define the non-sexual queer spaces. So those are um, protests. Those are, historically speaking, um, uh, um, any kind of um, social gatherings that exist, like um, like cabaret nights and things like that, um, teas like uh, the, that the Sunday tea. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That and tradition. Like, <laughs> brunch. Yeah, um, right. Brunch right. is a queer space. No, but um, <clears throat> it's it's. I think that there historically, even with the whole bathhouse, even with that whole culture, there's always been a very explicit. Um, line between the um, sexual and non-sexual queer space and I think it's just kind of looking at what that means now um, and I would argue that what's really messing things up right now is that digital space is both mm-hmm. digital space is both a sexual and non-sexual space for queer people to realize themselves um, and that's where we're getting this problem we're getting this problem where here's this interaction where it's like oh I need to teach the young ones about about gay culture and it's like 
okay, here's this person coming to you in a non-sexual way, looking for a non-sexual space, and you're giving, you're forcing them into a sexual space mm-hmm. instead. Um, and so as a result, this this beautiful, great equalizer of digital space is making it hard to do that. But in a way, that actually just makes it more queer because it's less binaristic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's less yeah. like, it has to be sexual and non-sexual. Um, so, so in a weird way, that's kind of um, fucking with that as well. Um, so, I think the answer requires nuance. Yeah, as as it always does. But I think it's like it's worth thinking about, like um, you know, because I, I I know that in in myself, I want to not. I don't want to communicate that I think one has to pursue romantic connections primarily or that you know one has to pursue platonic friendships with guys primary uh, because i don't you know what um the greatest thing that i miss about omaha nebraska right now i no longer have a great circle of queer friends who there is no sexual thing at all Mm -hmm. i lack that in my life right now i lack queer figures that i can hang out with on a regular basis um that there is nothing sexual about our relationship. Yeah. And I miss that I agree. really desperately. Yeah, because I mean I feel like um and this is and, and also like this is partially because of the nature of our relationship, the way that our relationship is structured. Um because those in, in a in a in a like a traditional monogamous relationship, because we are married, then those other doors would be closed and you wouldn't have the upper like those spaces would be defined but in our relationship it's not because we can we can have other sexual partners well, and I, I feel like regardless of that i yeah. feel like that's still a thing mm-hmm. i mean like think about it think think about how many how many men do we talk to in digital spaces that are in um closed relationships or advertise that they're in closed relationships that still flirt with us oh yeah oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah and and like even though a physical thing may never actually happen, even mm-hmm. though an, emo- an actual emotional connection may never happen, that's still just like a bare bones. This is how we connect to each other. Yeah. Like we connect to each other because I want to bone you. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like, granted, that's because look at the tools that we're using to connect with people. We're, lo- right. we're, we're using s- hookup apps are sexual spaces, mm-hmm. digital sexual spaces, even if you're looking for romance like friendship. I right, right. Like I found. Right, exactly. We found love in a hopeless place. Yeah, exactly. Um, growler. But um but I mean like it's it, it's just a situation where um <clears throat> there's no way to connect with a person who happens to be within my sexual aesthetic um that doesn't involve that. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's also my doing. That's yeah, not like I'm right. not like a victim of a sad sad sexual no. world. You're not going to like do you're not going to like release. I'm not Look gonna, what you made me do. Yeah. Yeah. Look what you made me do <laughs> as I'm engaging in a consensual sexual act. Are you, you shouting me? me? Sorry. Neil's um, dead. The, yeah. Yeah. The old Neil. The old Neil's dead. The old Neil can't answer your growl. The old Neil is giving you head right now. <laughs> and so is the new Neil because um, time works that way. Anyway. So. I mean, it, it, it's one of those things, it's, it's cyclical, um, but then it's also like, okay, so how do I then create those kinds of queer connections mm-hmm. with two cues? How do I create those that are, that exist in non-sexual spaces? Mm-hmm. Um, 
how do I how do I create those bonds without them being sexual? And like the unfortunate reality is that it requires not only restraint on my part, but also trust and restraint on the other party. Yeah. So if I were to be just friends with a bear, mm-hmm. it would require that kind of like yeah. two way thing. And so then I'm sorry, I I just I feel like then that goes back to the original the original idea that that there is this notion that's been perpetuated that sexually sexual connection is the only way to relate to another person who is in your like want zone you know mm-hmm. like that the only thing that one can do with another with another dude is have sex with them i mean to a certain extent i mean that's kind of the 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 liberation of being queer is that we can do that yeah like to a certain extent that's 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 a liberating thing um but yeah, it definitely becomes problematic when that's the only way. And um, I have I have this theory, the social theory, um, and I'm pretty sure this is a thing that many people have written about before. I've just have never gone searching for it. But it's this notion that we are told, like like bringing it back, bringing the conversation back to socialization. Um, queer men specifically, it, 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 I can speak to that because that's my experience. Um, are socialized that we are othered because of our bodies and because of what we want to do with our bodies. So naturally, that's what we want to do with our bodies. Right. And think about like, where do we learn love? Where do we learn about romance? Where do we we learn it from porn? Um, and basically, this is my roundabout way of saying that the reason why all all of gay culture and gay men are hypersexualized is because there are no Disney princes who mm-hmm. are in loving relationships with yeah. each other. But if you really think about it, like uh, hetero romance is very heavily pushed and normalized and to the point where, where even traditional conservative courtship is a thing. Um, so as a result, growing up, you don't see that for your own sexual desires. So you think, oh, they're solely sexual. So of course the only way that I can connect with another person is sexual. And then you look at it from a radical queer perspective and you're like, that's a good thing. It's actually a good thing that you're doing that because that's different from the norm. It's, it's, it's um, subversive. It's, it's, a, it's a great thing that that's actually how we connect with each other because that's what makes us queer. Um, so, like, it's messy. It's messy and you've got one side saying that this isn't a problem, that that's actually a great thing. And then you've got the other side saying... It's kind of rapey. Like it's well, kind of gross. It's kind of it's kind of like not not an okay thing. I think the subtle distinction is the notion of choice. That very that very radical idea that this isn't that this is an okay way for us to do that. Isn't it is it isn't it isn't radical saying that this is the only way that one can do that. It is saying that it is an option that is open to you. If you want to make connections with other men that are sexual, you can. If you don't want to do that, you can. And what I think is the problem is the assumption that creating connection in the gay community with another man needs to be sexual. That idea that this is what gay culture means. And, and it, it, it goes to that, that, that younger gay man thinking, I guess I'm doing it wrong. He believes that because he isn't, prioritizing sexual connection and he isn't prioritizing hooking up that he is somehow doing gay wrong and I feel like that's a real problem it should just be an option that's open to him and not not something that he feels like he has to do in order to be right and to be appropriately or acceptably gay um can doing gay wrong be the title of this episode yes awesome yeah I mean 
You'd think so. You'd think it'd be nice and easy to convince other people that that's a cool, like an okay thing. You think it? You you think that we could get along with each other that way? But of course we can't. Well, and it, it comes down to, and I, this connects to other issues that I think are very prevalent in the gay community, and it's why I stopped identifying publicly and in conversation as gay because I feel like this is rampant in in that this particular community that under the under the like queer umbrella is this the, the lack of of self critique and thought about what they're like, what they're doing. The notion that, 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 that in, in, in the, it feels like in, in gay male circles, just whatever you fucking feel is, even if it's completely shitty and it's completely problematic and you're not thinking about it and you're not noticing how you're impacting other people. You're not noticing how you're participating in really shitty systems of, of oppression within our community and without our community. It's just what you feel. And it's a okay. This is just what we do. You know, it's cool for us to be racist because it's just my preference. It's cool for me to tell you that, you know, you just got to get with the program and fuck everyone you can because that's just what we do. You can, you know, you can call women, a, you can call women bitches and you can like grab their boobs when they're in bars because we're gay and it's just what we do. And like that is a real problem to me. Yeah, it's it's a situation where there's this entire cultural force that says it's okay to be against the status quo when it's convenient to them. It's okay to, it's okay to, um, to be subversive in a way that is very like, Ooh, gay pride. We're going to do rainbow shots at the bar and it's going to be awesome. And we're gay and we're proud and we celebrate the way we want. But then also I'm going to perpetuate this toxic masculinity because it's convenient to me to do that because it gets my rocks off. And if I may, I feel like it's because we're mostly talking about gay men who are white. And so we're talking about white men. And white men have a really specific kind of privilege and experience in our culture. And it's a culture of doing whatever the fuck you want. And not having to explain yourself and not having to answer to anybody. And I, 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 I feel like really deeply, the more that I have engaged in these ideas over the last several years, particularly like I've thought about it a lot more. I feel like, like we really have to get our shit together on this and recognize that we have to like seriously answer to answer to our reliance on the privilege of being white dudes. But that's hard. No, it's not hard because we do it. We try to do it. But it takes effort. Yeah, it takes effort. But that effort is useful and necessary. That eff- that effort makes sure that other people don't have shitty experiences in the world because of you. Right? I mean, I guess that makes sense. I mean, yeah. You can tell what I was doing this weekend, right? <laughs> you can tell the kind of conversations I was having all weekend. Um, And I was just painting. I, that's all um, I did this weekend. I just the painted. last thing, and it's, uh, it's something, it, it's kind of, it's not really... It's a little tangential, but I think it's important, and I feel like it's a good wrap-up place for this conversation. Um, I want to go back to the notion of, of him saying, that kid saying, I guess I'm doing it wrong. And this guy in his 30s, missing an opportunity to positively model something that's expansive and not exclusive. What did RuPaul say? Don't fuck it up. Well, you fucked it up. Yeah. And I think there's something very important that everybody, and I'm more speaking to gay men who are, who are closer to my age. Those of us who are in like, you know, like mid thirties and 
into your 40s. I was going to say mid 30s. That's where you're ending. That? No, I was. I just had to. Sorry, I I, I had to like I was stifle a bit. He's been drinking. Um, yeah, I have been. Um, but people who are in like their mid 30s to their into their 40s and even into their 50s, um, because we. Gay men around my age came in at the real tail end of like serious kinds of of marginalization as gay men. I mean, when I came out in 1994, we did have the we had the HIV crisis to to the AIDS crisis to sort of reckon with and have that be like this this stamp on our experience. But I cannot really tell you that I have faced a ton of of marginalization or a ton of like institutional um, pushback in my life because of my gayness. I have felt it internally and interpersonally, but not necessarily like in the world. The world hasn't, uh, except for marriage equality. Like that's been a major institutional one that like, but I have, it's been a fairly easy ride, right? So here, so we are here. We have a responsibility. Do you want to? I just want to like, I feel like race and class really, really feed into that. Yes. Oh, absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. Because I'm white and fairly like, like lower middle class, middle class. Um, but we have a responsibility, I think, to make sure that the, the younger, younger gay men who are coming into this world, who have dealt with like serious internalized stuff in their coming out process, aren't fucked up by us. Too late. We need to be better. We need to be thoughtful. We need to be self-critical about what we are doing and how we are like perpetuating bullshit that we got fed and that has been ingrained in us so that we are giving better mentorship and better guidance and better being better elders to the people in this community and not handing them our bullshit. And you know, before, um, before anybody tries to respond to that with like, um, Oh, but we didn't have that, and we turned out fine. You didn't. No, you and didn't also, turn out fine. And also, since since you have come up, science has happened, research has happened, um, people have experienced the world in different ways, and different things have happened. So maybe um, be different. <laughs> you know, maybe actually actively try to make it better. And you know, like, not that I'm that old because I'm still a baby, but I'm definitely. Like I'm getting there. I'm already feeling that where I, I see younger queer people like um, undergrads and things like that, experiencing the world they experience. And it's, it's like my job to kind of be a bridge now where I'm bridging between an older generation and a younger generation. And with that responsibility comes not only everything you told, but also like teaching history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause yes. lots of queer people my age and younger do not know history. So it's like, that's my job. Yeah, um, my job is to empower people and also teach history because the kids don't know because the kids weren't there. Yeah, um, the kids didn't see their best friends die of AIDS. They didn't. They didn't know what it was like. They didn't. They didn't know any of that stuff. Um, so like that's kind of my job on top of that as well. Um, so I recognize that. I recognize that there's there's a lot that gay men who are um, middle aged and older they went through a lot and they survived through a lot and that's wonderful and I'm really happy that you're still here. But also, there are things that you probably could have really benefited from. So mm-hmm. be those things. Yes, absolutely. Because if you can't get it right, and I'm not you, if we can't get it right, because I'm including myself in that. I statement. If we can't get it right on this, if we can't get it right with our own people, 
with other gay men, if we fuck that up, then we aren't going to get it right on race in our community. We aren't going to get it right on on gender identity and gender expression in our community. We're not going to get it right on transphobia in our community. And those are essential things for us to get it fucking right on. Because if, and I we say this every time we talk about this larger thing, but if you care about justice for queer people, you have to get your ass in the game for every fucking social identity justice movement. Because every one of those identities exists in our community somehow. You have to get your ass in the game and work. Do the fucking work. And that's what makes being queer magical is the fact that it is a diverse community. Yeah. We're powerfully diverse. And if if you think our community is simply your... And oh, God, I'm getting so ranty. If you feel like our community is just your fucking parties where you're dancing for pride on floats with your shirt off, then you have a, you have a lot to learn. You have a lot to learn about your history. You have a lot to learn about the community you really are living in. And you have a lot to learn about your role in it. And you are the one who needs to get with the fucking program. Yeah, Timothy... And Michael. And Chet. At definitely Chet. Oh, that Chet. I'm sorry if your name is Chet. And you yeah, no, if you're Chet, we love you. If you're listening Fuck to our you, pod, Timothy. If, you've, if your name is Timothy or Michael or Chet and you've gotten to the end of this without turning this off and sending us a nasty email, we, we know you're pretty okay. Do we get nasty emails? Um, Not really, no. I've seen the Facebook post, though. Yeah. That's, that's been fun. Occasionally. Um. So, yeah, so that's that's where we are today. Um. As always, we are very appreciative that you stick with our podcast and listen to us. Um, you know, if you, I haven't asked of this in, a, asked you this in a while, but I am going to ask you now. You know, uh, if you head over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and you like rate our podcast, give it some some positive ratings or write a review for us. It does help other people find us. And if you like the podcast and and do want to help other people find us, but don't feel like writing a review, share our episodes with people in your circles because um. If you're like a, a rad queero who enjoys our podcast, we're pretty sure that you know other rad queeros who enjoy, uh, who would enjoy it too. I start off every morning with a heaping bowl of queeros. Yep, they're delicious, um, and and rainbow colored. Um. <laughs> Close your laptop right now. We're done. We're going home. No, but as always, we are really appreciative for all of your support and that you stick with us. And uh, we will see you next week. Stay tuned for pictures of a dog and. Halloween costume. Oh, yeah. She's adorable. You've been listening to Bearded Fruit, politics and culture through an intersectional queer lens. Now, if you enjoyed this week's episode, head over to our website, beardedfruit.com, to get more info about this week's show and to check out some of our other web features, like our weekly Ask a Dad advice column or our Fruit Stands section, which gives you ways to bring the Bearded Fruit conversation into your community. You can also connect with us on Facebook at Bearded Fruit and on Twitter at Bearded Fruit Pod. And if you have some feedback on this week's episode, or questions to ask us, or just want to share an idea for an upcoming episode, give us a call at 860-785-0633. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or find us on SoundCloud. And as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>